0: Totally Football Show, Europe, today ahead of the brand new Bundesliga and Liga seasons we've got all the latest Euro news. Where is Mauro Icardi going to wander? Will PSG have Neymar of their Brazilian star? What happened in the opening weekend in France? Plus we get Misty Eye over Onion Berlin in the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power. Hello you, your continental football fan. We've got for you today. Julien Laurent Bonjour Alvaro Romeo Hello Hola And also Raphael Honigstein Hi (laughs) Also on the phone joining us very shortly James Horncastle And because you demanded it A Belgian football update from Christophe Thoreau Excellent news eh Jules Yeah Tomorrow the European Super Cup Chelsea taking on Liverpool in Istanbul And who's going to be refereeing Jules?
1: Stéphanie Frappard who would be the first woman to referee uh, such a big game, at least such a, you know, a final Like or European or final, yeah. European final, which is an honour for her, really, and quite deserved because she's been outstanding in the last few years. She was mm-hmm. the first woman referee in France to referee in the second division first and she did very well there for a couple of years and last season at the end of last season she became the first woman to ever referee in the French top flight in the Amiens Strasbourg match uh, which again she did really well and then That's she the stood
0: start- had a lovely banner up for her do you remember they, it said welcome to the stade de la Licon. long live women in football
1: yeah no it was good and she did really well she did really well in that game then she obviously refereed as well to the women's world cup final which, because she's the best uh, women's uh, referee in the world, that that was natural. But this is a step higher for her, and she's very much looking forward to it.
0: She will be assisted by a French compatriot, Manuela Nicolosi, and Ireland's Michelle O'Neill in the first ever all-female official uh, refereeing lineup for a European men's final. Just full of facts here on the Totally Football Show Euro edition. What are you excited about this week, Rafa?
2: The return of the Bundesliga? Yes, it's very exciting. Right. Very, very exciting. Could be one of the best seasons uh, in recent years because a lot of people, including Dortmund themselves, think that the Black and Yellows have a realistic shot at the title and Bayern going into the season in a slightly confused and uh, and weakened state and Dortmund look very strong. How do you say déjà vu in German? Uh, (laughs) It's like déjà vu all over again, James. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs)
0: All right. And Alvaro, uh, much excitement uh, for Friday night when and if the Liga gets underway with Atletic Barcelona.
3: Yes, because this Friday we have a football game in Spain. Finally, it's been confirmed that the Athletic de Bilbao versus Barcelona game is going to be played on Friday. A judge decided last Friday that all the La Liga Friday games will go ahead. However, the Monday slot is closed. So there will be no Monday games in La Liga this season unless the appeal of La Liga goes ahead and a court decides that Mondays still are on. Okay. All right. Well, keep us
0: updated on that. Definitely underway now, though, are Ligue 1, which is great because it means very shortly we can explain what this is. (laughs) Mohamed (laughs) Heni smashing television. Why, Jules?
1: Because his beloved Marseille are not winning. So. Every time, sorry, the losing, More, it's more than than losing. Sometimes he, he he's smashed TVs after a draw, right? but it's more after defeats. And they had 13 last season in the league, so can you imagine every time he smashed a TV. Where did he uh, get
0: all the TVs from?
1: Well, at, at the beginning, he had to buy a new one, but it became a bit of a sort of a Twitter or social media sensation so then I think he got them for free but it was still quite spectacular to see him like
0: the first time yeah so was he just that upset this is basically a Marseille fan tv guy yeah I mean he also gets upset when I think Algeria don't do well yes in 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 their
2: competitions shout out to Stevie Grossman good friend of mine from Frankfurt who actually also once threw a tv out the window because his beloved Antras Frankfurt were losing okay
0: that's really not a good thing to do I mean what happens
3: if you're walking by no one did, I think. Okay. As far as I know, <laughs> no one died. Good. Alvaro. If, if I may, I would like to say that in Bilbao, we had in the past, in the past, I'm talking about the 50s and the 60s, a guy who was smashing or breaking a bottle in his head um, when Athletic de Bilbao One thing was on before the Games. His name was Rompecascos, and uh-huh. he did that for an easy, easily 15, 20 years.
0: Wow, that's extraordinary. <laughs> yeah. And and he lost his temper and smashed his TV up, and it was so popular.
1: Yeah, he made oh. a lot of people laugh, obviously. And then he, he was making his own um, sort of commentary of, of what Marseille were doing. Right. And they were all very funny. And he's very passionate about his team, oh. and rightly so. And a lot of them are uh, in Marseille. So, yeah, that became a, a bit of a sensation. And he became a bit of a celebrity as well now. So
0: How many TVs did he get through this weekend, Jules? As Ligue 1 got back underway at uh, Marseille under Andre Villas-Boas began with a terrible
1: defeat. <laughs> terrible defeat. Some things don't change or haven't changed yet in Marseille. AVB might turn things around, but it was very much the same old Marseille, like last season, where they were not very good going forward, not much movement, not much intensity in their game, very fragile at the back. And and Reims took advantage of it very well and very nicely with a proper game plan. And Marseille were booed off by their own fans from the first home game of the season. And Mohamed... This time, he didn't smash his TV, probably by desperation more than anything else.
0: Right. And an interesting story of the guy who scored, was it the opening goal, Boulaidia?
1: Boulaidia, who 15 months ago was still working uh, part-time and playing football part-time. He
0: was at the factory as an
1: electrician, is that right? Yeah, that's right, and he did loads of other little jobs. He was a very promising youngster, and then, like, you know, often lost a bit his way and then had to go through the lower leagues. And when he was playing for Jura Sud uh, in the northeast of France, he, uh, he was still only, only part-time and he scored loads of goals uh, with them, uh, which attracted the interest of a few clubs like Reims, who are very good of identifying talent from lower leagues. And then he cost them nothing and then had a, an incredible game against Marseille with a goal and an assist. He could have scored more as well. He's a very interesting player.
0: Good one. Bad start for Olympique Marseille. Monaco, even worse, beaten 3-0 at home by Lyon with uh, Cesc Fabregas sent off for raking his studs down a fellow players' Achilles. A bit harsh, maybe?
1: Did you think, watching it live, I thought he did on purpose because there is nowhere in the way he's running, uh, like Leo Dubois, who's just a bit up ahead of him, and where the ball is going, there's no way he would walk on someone's calf. The ball is going out, he would keep running, and that's it. And the fact that he properly like literally stamped on his calf. For me, it was always on purpose. And that's what the referee saw with VAR. So there's the bottom of the calf and the top of the Achilles kind of thing.
3: The Achilles, yeah. Is he that kind of player, Alvaro? No, he has never been. He's been no? in Fabregas. No, I would say that he was never a very aggressive player or anything like this. If anything, he's been always a bit tricky. I remember him playing for Barcelona, just distracting the goalkeeper before Messi was going to take a free kick, just saluting at him and waving his arms. So he's been always a bit roguish, but I never thought that he was an aggressive player. So I agree with Rafael. I think that it's a bit harsh. Yeah. Right. Okay.
1: It's his third red card since he joined the club in January. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's been very frustrated.
0: I can imagine it's been a, a, a desperate time. Really? get riled up by the
1: crowd and all the passion. Yeah, yeah, it's the atmosphere. You know, it could be hostile at times. So, although it was pretty full on Friday night because a lot of people are on holidays there, <laughs> oh, sure. and uh, and because it was a big game against Lyon, so yeah. a bit like Marseille, there was too many similarities with what they did last season when they finished seventeenth. Yes, and they have to be very careful, and, and they still have a few more days to sign players. Right, and I think they really need to.
0: And there's talk of them maybe bringing in Ben Yedder. Uh, I'm not sure if that's true, but in the meantime they've just got rid of the guy I presume in charge of the transfer policy, who was Michael Emanalo.
1: Yeah, who had done nothing for a year. Pretty much a year. He'd been in a in a you say in a, in a gold cupboard.
0: That's what we say in French. Gold, gold when, cupboard. Yeah, when you, when you get paid.
1: Gardeningly. Yeah, but you're still there. So yeah. You, oh, okay. We said that you were in your office, but it's a, it's a... So he was in the office? Yeah, he was there. He was paid uh, 100,000... Paid 000, not to work. Yeah, 100,000 pounds a month. Was it an actual golden cupboard? It wasn't golden, <laughs> and it was in the cupboard. But it's to say that he was doing nothing, basically. Like Two years. Yeah. And we're not really sure exactly what his skills and assets were and what he actually did at the club, but he got paid... A good amount of money. Right. And then he's finally uh, been let go, yeah. With okay. a good check, though. With a good check. But Benyedé, yeah, he's going to sign uh, this week. Yeah, uh, that's yeah, good. yeah. Yeah, and they will try maybe to bring Bakayoko back from Chelsea on loan. And mm-hmm. also Radamel Falcao is the big question mark. He, he would like, ideally, uh, a new deal at Monaco until 2022. They're not really offering him that. He only has one year left on his contract. And Galatasaray, for example, where he absolutely doesn't want to go, but they're offering him that three-year deal. Mm. So Monaco ideally would want him to stay. He's not sure. He's saying, I need to think about my family. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jonathan Panzo, uh, 18-year-old English defender, a former Chelsea player, made his Monaco debut in this inauspicious game.
1: Yeah, he played really well in pre-season. You remember he's part of that golden generation who won the, uh, the Under-17 World Cup right. with Phil Foden, uh, for example. And he was waiting for his chance. He finally got it. Not the best game to be involved with. And he had a bit of a shaky start as well. But... Uh, he has huge potential. I think he will play quite a lot this season uh, and and improve. And then we see he's only 18. You know, it was a good thing for him, and I think it was really proud for him and his family. But not just the way he was hoping the game would go.
0: Sure, of course not. Leon, though, great start to their campaign. Leon, looking good despite the departure of uh, some key personnel. Uh, Leon managed now by Silvino, the yeah. former Arsenal. Uh, what was he
1: left back? Left back, yeah, and yeah. Juninho as well, the, the club legend who came back as a sporting director in what is a bit of a revolution because Jean-Michel Olas, the, um, the owner and chairman, will take a step back and let Juninho run the club, which Olas had never done since he took over in 1987. So it's, it's a new thing. They needed a good start. They got it against a very weak Monaco side, like we said, but they were solid. They were, they were disciplined. Moussa Dembele scored a goal and, and looked really impressive. And if they can keep him for the season to come, it, it, they will have a good year. All
0: right, let's talk about Brest who are back in Ligue 1. They do get good support.
2: And they're good
1: with cups.
0: I'm sure they are. <laughs> sure they, are. they had a 1-1 draw anyway uh, with Toulouse.
1: They deserve to win as well. They got late equaliser from, from Toulouse in a game that Brest missed a penalty and should have won.
0: Uh, Koscielny, Laurent Koscielny, did he make his debut for his new club uh, a
1: He was on the bench. He was on the bench, at the, and the lost. Didn't play really well, uh, and I put quite a bit of pressure already on Paulo Sousa, who you know was there the second half of last season. Didn't do that well. They finished 14th. He was all like, "Yeah, but give me a preseason. You see next next season, we'll be much better than that. We we'll play much better." And it's not the start that they wanted again.
0: I see. Uh, who were they playing?
1: Angers in Angers, where, by the way, Jeff Jeffrenadelli, the former Arsenal player was outstanding
0: right, so what was the score
1: three one for Angers. shots
0: fired in Angers <laughs> anyway, yeah right, super, now, the big story of course, is p s g and did they get a win, yes, they did, and is Neymar leaving?
1: Yes, he is. Yes, I think, I think he will eventually. The, the, the story was not the game. No one cared about the game. They no,
0: played Nîmes and they won 3-0.
1: Yeah, and everybody knew they would win. The, the, the story was what kind of reception will Neymar get from the fans and especially from the Ultras. Will Neymar even be there? Will he even turn up? Because we know that he's been sort of dropped or at least... He's not going to play until his situation is resolved. So whether he stays for sure and then that's it or, you know, he moves. So he was not involved at all, but he was he was in Paris. He could have come to the stadium to watch the team. He has a box at the Parc des Princes. He didn't turn up. And I think we all kind of knew what the ultras would do, but it didn't take them long after 10 minutes to start insulting him uh, in Spanish and then showing banners about him as well telling him to do one or get lost and then another even more violent one about his issues with the police and, and stuff like that so mm. he got really really ugly isn't this what he wants though yeah but it probably serves him he, he might use that to say you know what even the ultras are against me i'm gonna go the thing is thomas tuchel said again before the match and after the match i want him to stay you know if he goes i might not even sleep again after that, uh, the dressing room wants him to stay. But if he, if he was to stay, and that might still happen because Real Madrid and Barcelona might not be able to afford him or might not be able to do a deal, it would be very hard for him to sort of rebuild that relationship with the fans. That was never that good. I, although I think people, are bit, people in France forget how, what an amazing player he is and really an incredible player. But the problem is he was never that liked.
3: Alvaro, where do you think he's going? Well, uh, I think that the two options in Spain are clear, Barcelona and Real Madrid. Barcelona has not a very good relationship with PSG, whereas Real Madrid has a good one. And last year, in fact, I think that it was... um Spanish public television uh, publishing and reporting that uh, Mbappé was already signed for Real Madrid, had already signed. That was in summer 2018, and Real Madrid uh, published a statement straight after, uh, saying that that was a lie, because they didn't want, basically, to break the relationships with PSG. Apparently, the relationships are really good between these two clubs. So, if PSG is open to making an agreement about Neymar, it's more likely that they prefer selling him to Real Madrid than to Barcelona. Right. However, Barcelona and Real Madrid will never pay the full Neymar release clause for kiss price and they will never meet that price unless they include some players in that operation, the likes of uh, in Real Madrid. Gareth Bale, for instance, could uh, yeah, obviously can... make Neymar cheaper, but that, that I forget. don't think that will no, happen. Or that. Barcelona could do the same with Coutinho They could do the same with Semedo, with Rakitic, but what I wanted to ask Julian here is how likely is PSG accepting these players? Rakitic, Semedo, Coutinho, Arturo Vidal... Gareth Bale, James Rodriguez. Any
2: player, just take any player. Yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they are good, but PSG has never shown any interest on them. Maybe Coutinho is the only one that yeah. may interest them.
1: And Semedo as well. They like Semedo, they need a right-back too. But those deals very, very rarely happen because they're so difficult to make. Because, you know, the value of a player that Raf will have and you will have, Alvaro, and me and you, James, are all different. And how do you say, OK, if we give you Semedo and, and Coutinho... And PSG say, OK, but we still want 80 million euros on top of that. And Barca said, well, no, because those two players are worth so-and-so. But it'd be very hard. But the only way this deal can happen is either someone pays 200 million euros, and that's it, Unlike. or it's unlikely. Hmm. But if, if Real Madrid sell Isco, for example, and, and, and sell James Mariano, Rodriguez. Mariano and James. Yeah, maybe yeah. they can get to something like that, although I don't see that happen. Otherwise, it's cash-plus-player swap, and and that would be very hard to do. I think. But do
0: you think that he is going to leave PSG?
1: I think it's... Uh, right now I think it's a 60-40 that can very quickly go to 70-30 and 60 he'll go. go and 40 stay.
3: There is also the possibility that the Barcelona or Real Madrid get the, this player on a season loan mm. uh, with the obligation of buying afterwards. This could be another option for them. So but p- uh, for example PSG, uh, if it's true that they are asking for Semedo as one of the players to be included in the operation. Barcelona doesn't want to sell Semedo. Yeah. Semedo is a key player for them now that Sergi Roberto has been uh, considered a midfielder for mm. the season.
1: And PSG and we were talking about the relationship between PSG and Real Madrid alone with an option to buy they would say probably yes to Real Madrid but they would say no to Barcelona because they don't want to do any favours to Barcelona at all because of those difficult relationships that they have
3: I still cannot believe that Neymar has a, a similar affiliation for Real Madrid or Barcelona I mean what he wants to do is leave in PSG he played for Barcelona for four years and still he wouldn't mind moving to Real Madrid so Barcelona should think about this before signing the player too but
1: let's not forget that he was very close to signing for, for Real Madrid before he went to Barcelona you know as a 13 as year old and 14 year old he yeah. trained at Real Madrid they were very close and Barca very much sort of stole Neymar away from, from Real Madrid but it's not completely but I can see the, with the rivalry between the two
0: where's he going to be by the start
1: of September Jules? in Madrid for Real
0: Álvaro y Barcelona tries in Barcelona Okay, there's an if on that. Raf, you got a view on this? Paris. Up next, we're heading to Italy. James Horncastle's gone there on holiday, and we're about to catch up with him. It's nice to have a break from advertising, so here's some classical music. Nice. Mm. At Paddy Power, we thought football shirts could use a break from advertising too. That's why we've sponsored Huddersfield Town shirt without a logo and started the Save Our Shirt campaign, where any football team that Paddy Power sponsor will be, well, unsponsored. <laughs> Don't you wish we weren't on your shirt too? Now, let's get Bark to the music. <laughs> Paddy Power, enough of the nonsense. 18
4: On Spotify, Smart Speaker and podcast platforms everywhere, this is the Totally Football Show from Muddy Knees Media.
1: Hey! hey. hey. Ciao,
0: James! Ciao, hey. ciao! Ciao tutti, ciao! James, you're on holiday anyway. You're in Cefalu, is that right?
5: Well, I'm actually in the mountains oh. around Cefalu. Um, it's almost like I whacked Salotto and McCloskey, uh and I've uh, had to flee here on the advice of tom Hagen to get away from that war with the Titalias. so
0: minkia <laughs> <laughs> right anyway while you've been doing all that stuff they've been pretty busy elsewhere in italy as well Lu- lukaku happened and indra hoping to add Gecko as well but in-, in the meantime what do you think about antonio conte's prospects now that they've got romolo on board well
5: uh Antonio Conte looked like the happiest man ever when Lukaku turned up at uh, training. uh, He'd finally got his man. It's not just been about this summer, uh, it's been about him trying to get Lukaku when he was at Chelsea um, as well. And it's clear that he feels that um, the Belgian striker is kind of perfect for his style of football. And uh, I'm sure you were across this, James, but into were playing a friendly against that uh, huge side, Virtus Bergamo, in which Lukaku scored four goals, uh, one with his right, one with his left, another with his head. So kind of a perfect hat-trick. And Everyone's very excited, particularly um, given that um, Juventus, um, well, of the last week, the the end of the English transfer window and their friendlies under Sarri, uh, again, sort of question marks uh, being uh, raised about their prospects uh, going into the new season.
0: What's going to happen with uh, Paolo de Barra then? You mentioned Juve, uh, James. What's the latest there and and the whole kind of series of other moves that might happen? Juve, for example, going for Icardi and and Higuain possibly going to Roma and all that?
5: So Juventus hoping uh, that Paris Saint-Germain will come in for a bid for uh, uh, Paulo Dybala because they were well as we saw desperately trying to move him to the Premier League and I must say it's been a very difficult transfer window for Juventus when it comes to selling players to kind of recoup the money that they've spent on Matthias de Licht and the money that they're spending on Cristiano Ronaldo and Dybala uh, dug his heels in uh, ultimately I'm told that it wasn't Entirely down to image rights um, and the very complicated situation there that his move to Spurs um, fell through. But Juventus need need to move him on um, essentially because he's the guy that they can raise the most money for. But if you look at um, their wages to turnover at the moment, we're reaching Barcelona levels of kind of upwards of seventy percent. So there's there is pressure on them to make a big sale. And uh, I mean that hasn't stopped DiBala being used by Sarri and being played by Sarri, but yeah i think the the club's intention is is very much to to move him on and you know we've become used to sarri complaining about all kinds of things over the last couple of years you know be it the grass is too tall the balls are too light now he's got too many good players james this is his latest complaint um that's you know he's got six too many And he needs to get rid of them because the idea of leaving the likes of DiBala, Kadira, Higuain out of the Champions League squad when that needs to be announced at the end of uh, this month, or the beginning of September, is a problem. So, um,
0: you know, you can't have too much of a good thing. Juve with one or two other problems at the moment. Their their PR department, fresh from their uh, brilliant handling of the CR7 rape allegations and uh, their backing of the whole European Super League, uh, last week outdid themselves uh, with that... Extraordinary move to ban anyone born in Campana, the region of Italy where, where, where Naples is, by banning anyone from that region or even born in that region of attending the Juve Napoli game at the end of this month.
5: Yeah, uh, what do you have to do to get a job in PR at Juventus? Um, I, I don't know. I mean, it's uh, Are again they pining uh... for
0: the old days when everyone <laughs> when they were the bad people. Are they tired of being held up as, as an example or something?
5: Yeah, uh, a, a huge gaffe from them. Uh, they, they don't seem to learn. I, I, I believe that they've since tried to lift it or, or, well, or I, certainly pushed back on it.
0: The current situation is that if you are currently resident in Campania, you can't buy tickets to the game. And this comes about because there's a you might feel justifiable concern about security at the game. So they don't want uh, Napoli fans in Turin for Juve Napoli. But instead of saying, yeah, and that, we're not going to sell tickets in Naples, they said anyone who was ever born in Campara is a risk. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I
5: suppose a couple of years ago, there was a game at the Allianz Stadium where there was quite a lot of vandalism and bathrooms destroyed or, or you know, smashed up. But still, as you say, James, there are, there are better ways of going about securing your stadium then banning uh, an entire part of the country from coming to see your um, see your game
0: extraordinary extraordinary well the, the, the City city doesn't return for another 10 12 days or so at the, end, the weekend after next yes
5: yeah absolutely um, the, the the 24th but yeah I mean we've We've still got this domino effect going on as to, as you mentioned, what happens with DiBala, what happens with Icardi, because um, you know Icardi is still very much, uh, I want to be an Inter player. I think I can be captain of Inter, and they're like, well, we've given your captain's armband away, we've just given your number nine shirt away, you have to get going. He seems to have offers at the moment from uh, Napoli and Roma, um, but doesn't like the idea of going to Roma because Roma are not in the Champions League um, and are rebuilding at the moment. Um, and Napoli, he feels, would be like a sideways step from Inter. So he's very much hoping uh, that s- something happens with Dybala so that he can go and trade places with him. Although, again, I mean, as with Lukaku, how Ronaldo and Icardi fit together and fit in a Sarri system, I don't know. It's, um, it's pretty perplexing, which makes it pretty exciting because I think we we will definitely have a more competitive title race this year.
0: Excellent. All right, well, listen, you enjoy your holiday, James, and you back with us next week? I am in peace. Listeners, Raffer and Jules call it beer, James and I call it beera, and Álvaro calls it cerveza. And no matter what you call it, everybody knows that football goes great with a nice cold one in your hand, and that's why we've teamed up with Beer 52 for the start of the new season. And if you fancy getting yourself a case of beer for free... All you have to do is head to beer52.com forward slash football. Do that before August the 25th and Beer 52 will give you two extra free beers, meaning you'll get 10 free beers in total. All you need to do is pay £4.95 for next day delivery. Beer 52 is the world's most popular monthly craft beer discovery club, searching out incredible and exclusive small batch craft beers from around the world. Every month, they focus on a different country or region like California, Belgium, Norway, and even Korea. There's no minimum commitment. You can just take the free case, try the beers, and see what you think. If it's not for you, you can pause or cancel your subscription at any time. So head to beer52.com forward slash football and claim your free case of craft beer right now. That's beer52.com forward slash football.
4: You're listening to the Totally Football Show in association with Paddy Power.
0: Rafa, you don't need me to tell you that the Bundesliga season begins on Friday night with Bayern Munich. The champions, they're at home to Hürtel Berlin. Let's talk about Bayern's worst ever opener to a Bundesliga season. Do you remember this? This is. This I is, don't
2: personally remember this, no. This I was is, only um, six one, months
0: old. Or six months. The, the year... It was 1974, and that is the sound of Kraftwerk's breakthrough fourth album, Autobahn, wowing the planet, laying the groundwork for a generation of uh, hip hop and electro classics. And, and uh, while all that was going on, another German outfit, Bayern, were not only champions of Germany but of the continent too, and with a quite extraordinary lineup of stars. And we look at the, the, the team sheet. Sepp Meyer, Beckenbauer, Uli Hoeneß, Gerd Müller, Rumaniger, an all-star lineup. They began their campaign away at Kickers Offenbach? Mm-hmm. Uh, how did it go?
2: Not very well at all. They lost 6-0. 5-0 und das sechste Tor durch Wien
6: war der Schlusspunkt eines sportlichen Debakels für den FC Bayern. Vielleicht sollte man in München über das Problem Motivation nun doch endlich ernsthaft nachdenken.
0: 6-0. How, how was that possible? Is that is it a famous story among Bayern fans?
2: It is reasonably famous. It's famous because Bayern were the reigning European uh, cup holders. Uh, six players of that team had just won the World Cup in Munich, of course, uh, a couple of months earlier. Paul Breitner um, had gone to Real Madrid, but it was still the, the big Bayern team that dominated European football, at least in European Cups. But there was a tiredness. There was a sense that, you know, Bundesliga is not really that important. And that opening the feed actually paved the way, if you will, or set the tone for a number of years where Bayern were very, very average in the Bundesliga. It's hard to think now. Bayern finished in 10th that year, James. Wow. Which gives you an indication just how sort of lackluster their performances were. Didn't win the title again before 1980. So a relatively lean spell. Incredible.
0: All from that one defeat against Offenbach. Well, do you know who the manager was? I'm sure you do, of Offenbach that day.
2: I No, I don't remember.
0: Step forward, Otto Reihagel. Ooh. Reihagel, yeah. yeah. L- later to win the uh, Euros with yeah, Greece, of Greece, course. course. Yeah, of course, yeah. Incredible. That wasn't Bayern's record defeat in the Bundesliga. Wasn't it? No. Can you guess, yours? who inflicted their worst ever humbling?
1: I would go for...
0: You have a go as well, listener Because I tell you what, we'll reveal the answer at the end of the podcast. Fast forward to this season and we're ready for Friday night. Bayern Munich lining up. They are going to be, as we say, away in Berlin. A little bit of transfer news ahead of that, uh, Rafa. That much-tatted move for Leroy Sané is off, I imagine, is it?
2: For the time being, it's off. I think they will wait until the operation in Barcelona to see how bad the uh, damage to his knee is, to see if City are... Any more disposed to maybe making a deal now that he'll be out once the exact sort of diagnosis on his healing prospects are uh, are available, but they need uh, more immediate help, and this is why they've. Uh, opted to bring in Ivan Perisic on loan. Not really a player that sort of screams replacement for Robin and Ribéry, but someone who will do a job and be another body. And there is talk of at least two more players that Bayern are targeting, but they're running out of time.
0: Okay, there's all sorts of names being linked with them. Coutinho has been suggested as possibly heading to Munich, even Gareth Bale as well. Uh, judging by the the look you're currently pulling, that's neither of which are particularly likely.
2: It's very difficult to fit in Bale because of his wages. I mean, this is not a surprise. Uh, Everyone knows this. And also, I can't really see him being that effective on the wings anymore. I think he plays best when he is a a number nine or maybe a second number nine with the freedom to go through the middle. I think that's when we've seen his best performances, certainly for, for Spurs before we made the move. Of course, you can play him on the wing, but it's maybe not his natural position, especially against a lot of deep opposition that Bayern come up against. Uh, Coutinho is an interesting one. Again, doesn't really strike you as a solution to Bayern's problems, but maybe they're thinking what perhaps Barcelona thought originally, that he can actually play a little bit deeper. I'm not sure he can. Who do you think they're going to bring in then? I think there's still a chance that they will uh, go for Mark Roca the um, Spanish under-21 international uh, place for Espanola he has a release cost of 40 million euros Bayern are trying to get him cheaper so far Espanola basically saying it's either that or nothing and Bayern because they have all the other (laughs) problems still to solve I think haven't really concentrated their minds on doing that the upshot of all of this James is that the club who used to be seen as the benchmark when it came to doing transfer dealings early quietly efficiently are really scrambling. And I think that has encouraged everyone, first and foremost Borussia Dortmund, to feel Bayern are there for the taking. Niko Kovac is a relatively weak manager. The transfer dealings are not complete and haven't really solved all the problems, as we mentioned. Yes, they've got uh, new players at the back, Lucas Hernandez, Benjamin Pavard. But, you know, these are two players earmarked to play a centre-back. So not necessarily the players that make people believe that this Bayern team who've been in need for a bit of creativity and a bit of uh, pace on the wings, will suddenly uh, become a lot better. Whereas Dortmund really have strengthened in a lot of key positions. You know, Nico Schultz, left back. Julian Brandt, outstanding last season. Torgen Hazard is really good. And Mats Hummels, who ironically, of course, is going back to Dortmund from Bayern. And if that works out for Dortmund, that is just another sort of big negative for Bayern because they would have effectively let a key player for Dortmund leave and maybe strengthen Dortmund to the point where they can win the title and um, it'd be very interesting to see how that first opening weekend unfolds because Dortmund on paper have a much easier game against Augsburg at home Mm -hmm. whereas Bayern against Hertha I think that's the reason why Hertha have been picked. Hertha always make it awkward for you. It's not pretty Mm -hmm. but they're very tough to beat.
0: Rafa uh, Inderjit Singh would like you to talk about Sarpit Singh and how many opportunities he will get in the Bayern first team this season. Good to see Sikh representation in one of Europe's biggest clubs long time coming.
2: Sarpit Singh was one of the revelations of the Bayern Tour. Uh, He got a lot of opportunities and played really well and was sort of fast-tracked into the first team to a certain is extent Is he a
0: youth product in their academy or has he come No, from so he's
2: far? a 20-year-old uh, New Zealand player oh, who wow. Bayern have signed um, just before going on tour uh, and because they were shorter numbers he came with them and uh, and impressed The problem that he has is that Niko Kovac from everything we've seen so far hasn't really trusted young players very much Last year Bayern had a 19-year-old a Korean player who looked very exciting also playing as a wide attacking uh, midfielder. Jong-Woo Young. he was sold to Freiburg because he just couldn't see any way of getting into the team and uh, he was widely seen as the really the hottest young new prospect coming out of South Korea after Hong Min Son potentially. So the sing hype, uh, we'll have to see if that actually materialises, but he looks very good so far.
0: Good. Uh, ooh, less good looking is what's going on with Schalke chairman Clemens Turniers. Mm who caused a storm when, at a public meeting in Paderborn, he criticised tax increases designed to help fight climate change by suggesting the money would be better used financing power plants in Africa than Africans would stop cutting down trees and stop making babies when it gets dark. Uh, Tunis was quoted as saying he's apologised. There was a massive campaign for him to resign as Schalke chairman. Even the fans this weekend getting in on this, The Schalke's own supporters, no?
2: All the Schalke supporters, or right? at least all the sort of organized part of the support, holding up red cards, saying Tony has to resign. The apology was to Schalke and Schalke members, not actually to Africans and, or people of, uh, of color. So, again, a typical German thing, if you will, not realizing just how offensive and how racist that is. Now, to give you a bit of context, when the advisory board met... To decide what's going to happen to him because he is the strong powerful figure there he controls the club and all but name and um, the advisory board decided that uh, he would lay down his uh, his office for three months but they also said there's absolutely no racism involved <laughs> i mean how you can come to that conclusion I'm not sure. I think the only way to explain it is that people think racism is only if you say something with a real negative intention to hurt people. He probably didn't say it to hurt people, but of course it is very indicative of a very racist worldview and the the stereotype. So a lack of sensitivity, a lack of of a valve, a safety valve, you know, to think before you say these things. Hmm? A filter? A filter, correct. And So far, from everything... Beyond
0: having a filter, you you don't want to even begin to think in those terms, no?
2: No, of course not. But even if you think it's some kind of a joke or, you know, you don't mean it in uh, necessarily in uh, in literal terms, Mm. but you see it as a metaphor. I mean, however misguided all these things are, you still wouldn't dream of saying it. So it's a total mess. And I think it's really, really bad because at Schalke, the encouraging thing, if you will, is, as you said, the actual fans think this is totally unacceptable mm. but the club because of the position of power and also financial support that Tony has over the years has provided find it very very difficult to get rid of him well, so we're heading for some kind of a split right in the club and uh, it'd be very interesting just as a story to see how that plays out but you'd hope that uh, this will be resolved with at least at the very least him accepting the gravity of what he's done
0: Let's finish off with a slightly more positive story, then. Mm-hmm. Rafa, what's that glorious bit of music?
2: That's the uh, club anthem sung by Nina Hagen. Of Onion Berlin. Yeah, Eisen Berlin, yeah. Right, of Nina Hagen. Yeah, Nina So Hagen. she's
0: a high-profile Onion fan, is she?
2: Well, she at least sings to him.
0: I I got a, Maybe she just did it for the cash. That'd be disappointing. But anyway, a lot of there people... There wouldn't have been much cash involved. Probably not. Because uh, it's been a bit in short supply there at Union Berlin. You were so excited last week to tell us about them and their return and etc. Cetera, et cetera. Why do they hold such a, such a place in people's hearts? Well,
2: you say return, but they've never been in the Bundesliga before. They've never played at this level. Of course, they played in the old uh, GDR uh, league with mixed success. And part of the mythology of the club is that they weren't seen as politically correct enough. The authorities always favoured, as far as Berlin teams were concerned, Dunamo Berlin, who were the club of the Stasi, the security apparatus. And uh, when it came to big games, when it came to big players, Union always felt, probably rightly, uh, discriminated against, uh, felt that refereeing decisions strangely didn't go their way, uh, etc. And... That kind of underdog and we're a little bit rebellious and we're kind of uh, against the system vibe um, was maintained throughout those years. And even after reunification, Union Berlin were were seen as sort of an alternative club, a Berlin version of St. Pauli, if you will, but with a different background, of course, with different, different ideas. And... Crucially, the relationship between the fans and the club is so strong that even by German standards, it's probably an exceptional situation. To give you two examples, when the club really struggled to have enough money to get their licensing in order, fans donated blood in the hundreds to raise money. They literally bled for the club. And at another time when the club didn't have enough money to renovate the stadium, two and a half thousand fans turned up and actually helped build the stadium. They painted it they um, you know they, they put the, the the nails in they actually with their own hands rebuilt the stadium and that relationship has has continued It is a huge sort of community asset. people go into the stadium for Uh, watching games on big screens for singing songs. There's all sorts of stuff on YouTube which is really worth uh, checking out. And now, despite all the odds, if you will, and with a very small budget, they've actually made it to the Bundesliga. And everyone's looking to them and, of course, also looking towards the game against Hertha uh, in November to provide that uh, something a little bit different. Wow. What are their chances like? Chances are not great. I mean, they, they play a football which is sort of very rudimentary. Um, i think you can probably survive a season but it's going to be very very difficult Um, i think nobody really is that bothered whether they go down or not of course ideally you'd want to stay in but the achievement and the the excitement is such that it's almost secondary Uh, recently they uh, announced a big um, fan um, project where Members who are no longer with them, who'd passed away, will be honoured at the very first game in commemoration of their support. And uh, they unfortunately can't be there to see Union in the Bundesliga, but at least they'll be remembered for. Maybe in some way they, they will, Rafa.
0: Oh, by the way, if you're wondering what happened to Dynamo Berlin, their, their old uh, Stasi rivals, so they're now down in the fourth division. So have some of that. Rafa, thank you so much for that. Uh, next up, how about a bit of Belgian news? Mm. Right, listener, next up is trying to talk to your friend of mine, uh, Christophe Thoreau, Belgian football expert, all about uh,
6: the first three weeks of the the Jupiter League. Hi, Christophe. Hi, James. Uh, How are you? Well, I'm fine, I'm fine. I'm really enjoying the Jupiter League uh, in the last few weeks. Uh, Really good football. Excellent. One of the stories that is
0: uh, gaining a bit of traction in England is the beginnings that De Vincent company has had as player manager at Anderlecht it's not gone well
6: no two out of nine is not a brilliant start it's their worst start in 21 years I think so uh but still everybody at Anderlecht is happy the football is brilliant only they don't manage to score goals that's their huge problem okay so they're actually playing well well yes there was on uh, on Friday night there was a they were playing out from the back, tiki-taka, guardiola style, with loads of risk. I saw a few brilliant moves, but yeah, if you can't finish uh, attacks, then you have a huge issue. Of course, they are playing with loads of young players, young and unexperienced players. That makes it more difficult for company. They didn't have a good squad to begin with. So, But football is great, only the results aren't. And You see that it's a process and company is always emphasising it's a process, we will need time, we can't change this in, uh, in, in a few weeks' time, but he says that he will end up with his philosophy, even if he hits a wall, he will continue playing uh, in this way, a bit like Pep.
0: I see, and is there, is there going to be a lot of patience, do you think, for him at the club?
6: Uh, currently, yes, uh, their president is not hugely popular, he took over the club uh, two years ago, he made a lot of mistakes at the beginning by bringing people from Ostend to Anderlecht, from a small team to a big club. He didn't make himself popular. And Vincent Company is yeah, even bigger than Anderlecht. So uh, if things are not going right, they will be pointing at the president, not at Company yet. So uh, he's pretty safe at the moment. Plus, uh, yeah, they got applauded off again after that game. So everybody's happy that they see the football that they want to see, I think. So uh, Excellent. we'll see. We'll see how, how it will work out over the, ne- the next few weeks. But uh, for instance, I'm going to give an example. Companies already used 22 players mm. in three games, so uh, he's changing a lot. So he's a bit tinkering, like Pep Guardiola did in his first season in England, where he never played the same team until yeah, it was February, I think. So it uh, might end up as the tinkerman.
0: We shall see. It's a managerial dream team because it's Vincent Kompany and, and his assistant, Craig Bellamy,
6: Jules.
1: Yes. Salut, Christophe. Hello, Julian. And as we were saying with Christophe last week, it feels very much like company and friends. And you mentioned Craig Bellamy and Samia Najri has gone there as well. And, and Christophe, Nasser Shadli, is uh, arriving on loan, isn't he, from Monaco?
6: Yes, yes, he has signed yesterday. So uh, it's now already uh, already 10 uh, people uh, of company's close circle. Even his bodyguard is involved in the technical staff. The guy who used to protect him in uh, in Manchester is now part of, of his backroom staff, which is quite up too. Wow,
0: extraordinary. Uh, I believe Kima Rufus has also uh, signed from Leeds.
6: Yes, but he's still injured, so he hasn't played. And he's the striker. They are hoping that he's going to solve all their problems up front. <laughs> I saw stories popping up when he signed that He's a similar to Aguero, but I won't go into that comparison yet. Uh, if he was like Aguero, he wouldn't be playing for Leeds, of course. So, uh, But they expect a lot from him. Uh, he has to score the goals because there's no one else in that squad who, who can do it. So,
0: Well, as the season progresses, uh, Christophe, what else should we be looking out for? I see that uh, last year's runners-up, uh, Club Brugger are off to a terrific start under former countryman man, Philippe Clement. And also Saido berahino, who's been signed by Zultavariraga, went and scored on his debut that's brilliant
6: yeah, against the champions even uh, yeah he was he was man of the match, and you just saw that he has quality and um, if he if he keeps his feet on the ground and keeps his head with football, I think it can be a brilliant signing for them. that manager is quite strict and quite good in uh, in guiding trouble kit, so that might help him too. Uh, he's the guy who launched Torgan Hazard, for instance. He was quite unknown. He was just a brother of Nobody believed in him, but he felt something to trigger him, and suddenly Torgan Hazard is yeah, he's now playing in Germany. So, uh, let's hope for Berahinho, if it works out that well for him too, With Frankie doing and Club Roots, yeah, everybody expect him to become champions. They've signed S- Simon Mignolet, that's their marquee signing, but they have signed a pretty good striker from Spezia in the in the Serie B. David Okereke scored four goals in his first three games, a couple of assists too, and he's really looking good. It looks it's like a like a modern attacker. He's not that tall, but his movement is brilliant, and I think that will be one of the guys that lots of Premier Leagues will be following over the over the next few months if he keeps on performing like this.
4: You're listening to The Totally Ferble Show with James Richardson.
0: I tell you who can't wait for pre-season to be over, Zinedine Zidane. Oh, yeah. What a rotten time he's been
3: having, poor chap. He's been terrible and Real Madrid has conceded almost 20 goals this pre-season to the point that against Roma, Zinedine Zidane was trying a um, three-man centre-back line but that didn't work either because Zinedine Zidane never tried that before or he's not a believer on that system but he he seems to be slightly desperate about how the things are shaping up ahead of the season. The problem with Real Madrid in my opinion is that many players they have seen each other for too many years. They have barely changed the squad or at least the lineup. and in fact I can bet with anyone of you now that probably the lineup against Celta in Balaídos next Saturday is going to have 10 of the usual suspects at Real Madrid and Eden Hazard is going to be probably the only one making it to the lineup. Okay, in a Real Madrid that has sh- signed up to 300 million. That's not a big okay, change for team. Real Madrid. Give it the team then. Thibaut Courtois, yeah. Carvajal, Baran, Sergio Ramos, Marcelo, Luka Modrić, Casemiro, Toni Kroos, Eden Hazard, Karim Benzema. And possibly Lucas Vazquez.
1: Okay. okay, this so is we my see. Bet. If you don't have the full lineup, you hear from us next week.
3: All right, across town at
0: Atletico Madrid, they're looking good now. Joao Felix, excellent in the 2 uh, 1 win over Juventus.
3: Yes, uh, Atletico with Juve 2-1 and Joe Felix scored the brace Uh, yesterday I was uh, listening to Paolo Futre the former Portuguese international and Atletico de Madrid legend he's a very outspoken guy and uh, he said like a couple of weeks ago that he thought that Joe Felix would be fighting for the Ballon d'Or in four or five years and yesterday he said I was wrong he's going to be fighting for that in a couple of years whether that uh, forecast is true or not the truth is that he is looking very good in an Atletico de Madrid where Simeone Always demands uh, a lot from attacking players. Antoine Griezmann had uh, some time to adapt to Atletico in the same way that uh, Correa, Gaitan, and many players that were very technical and skillful they couldn't adapt to Simeone's system. Whereas Joe Felix has been able, he's uh, very clever. He knows how to occupy the spaces, and uh, he can also score goals. So he's one of of those really promising prospects in La Liga, all together with Martin Odegaard, who arrived to Real Sociedad, also Isaac, the Real Sociedad striker, and some other youngsters that are uh, coming into La Liga, Frankie de Jong, and uh, probably they are the next generation of very good La Liga stars.
0: OK, is that Van der Beek uh, move from Ajax to Real Madrid, is that still
3: a thing or not? Well, apparently he's got uh, the deal done with Real Madrid and Real Madrid has to reach an agreement with Ajax now. Van de Beek said yesterday, after playing uh, a game in their division, that it is no secret that my future is being discussed with Ajax. So I am expecting Real Madrid to make a move uh, very soon for the player who will be playing by the way on Tuesday uh, in the Champions League uh, qualifying against Pauk Saloniki
0: the opening game there which is going to happen on a Friday it is Athletic Bilbao against Barcelona Iñaki Williams has spent a nine year contract extension that's
3: a long extension until 2028 and he's not 25
1: so he'll be 34 (laughs)
3: But it is no coincidence that Athletic de Bilbao have done this. Why? Because Ari Chaduriz, the, yeah. the very veteran striker, announced last week that he will be retiring from football, hanging the boots at the end of this season. And uh, those are very difficult boots to fill. Iñaki Williams is the only available striker in the Basque country, I would say. Because and please remember that since Athletic de Bilbao only signed local players, if you sell one of your best players and there is no replacement in the Basque country, of such quality, there's nothing you can do about it. That's why, as an Athletic de Bilbao fan, I've seen players who didn't have the top flight level playing for our club because uh, there was no one in the region uh, who was better than them. So at the minute, there is no uh, any striker of the level of Iñaki Williams in the Basque country. So I think that Athletic de Bilbao pressed the panic button and they signed Iñaki Williams for nine years, which is really good for the team.
1: He's also a very good player, to be fair to him. So yeah. it's... Nine years, though.
3: And he's, <laughs> he will be reconverting into a striker very soon. He started as a winger, yeah. but uh, this season he's going to play as a striker, as a number nine.
1: Can we get a nine-year contract from uh, <laughs> <laughs> the <to, to watch? laughs>
3: Do you want one, Jules? <laughs> Still no
0: TV deal for uh, UK Liga fans?
3: Not uh, as far as I know, no. Uh, last year it was 11 sports uh, who had the La Liga rights, and this season there is no way of watching La Liga here in the UK so far.
1: I've got another wonder kid to, uh, oh. to watch for. It's Kubo. Okay. The Japanese wonder kid yeah. who is on loan to Valladolid, uh, Ronaldo's team, from Real Madrid, where he made such a big impact just training during season and everything. So looking forward to seeing him because he looked amazing and we saw him at the Copa america as well obviously he,
3: he looks like the real deal the problem with real madrid is that they they have a cup for uh, uh, non-european players and uh, Kubo unfortunately still has the japanese passport mm. so that's why he didn't stay at real madrid another player japanese uh, who got to spain uh, last week is shinji kagawa former manchester united player who signed for zaragoza uh, zaragoza oh. plays in the second tier mm-hmm. and the uh, Zaragoza wanted to get a really good player because it's been many years that they haven't been in the top flight and a player with uh, some sort of uh, media impact as well. And uh, apparently Kagawa has more social media followers than Zaragoza itself and all the Zaragoza players combined. So obviously Kagawa is going to bring that extra sexy um, sauce to Zaragoza, obviously. Super.
0: Well, more to come on this Totally Football Show, but right now, let's get some European odds. Here's producer Ben.
4: Thanks very much, Jim. By Lee Price from Paddy Power is on the line. Lee, let's start talking about Inter Milan. They managed to sign Romelu Lukaku in the end. So what are the odds, please, on him being the top scorer in Serie A come the end of the season?
7: Well, we think he's got a major disadvantage, and that is his name doesn't begin with Chris. We think the favourites for this are Cristiano Ronaldo and Christoph Piontek uh, to win the top scorer race in Italy. Then again, last season, it was a 36-year-old called Fabio Quagliarella. So maybe still hope for Lukaku yet. We go 12 to 1. It's big Rom. Over to Spain then, and
4: La Liga kicks off on Friday. It's Athletic Bilbao versus Barcelona. Any chance of a Bilbao victory?
7: Well, that would certainly put a cat amongst the pigeons because Barcelona are odds on to win La Liga this season. Uh, Bilbao 4 to 1 to win at home. Interesting price. If it was a different opposition, I'd say. Barcelona 4 to 7 start of a victory, and the draw there 11 to 4.
4: And finally, we're all expecting Biltman and Bayern to be the top two in the Bundesliga. So who's going to
7: finish third and fourth? Yeah, more chance of someone breaking the top four than the top two in Germany, you think. Although, only just. Red Bull Leipzig were third last year and their odds on to break the top four again. It's four to seven they finish in there. The last spot is a little harder to call. Leverkusen finished fourth last season. They're evens to do so again this term. Hoffenheim and, Munch and Gladbach are both two to one, while Wolfsburg, who finished sixth last season, are five to one to break the top four.
0: You can find out those odds and more at paddypower.com or the Paddy Power app. Prices are accurate at the time of recording. It's over 18s only. Terms and conditions apply. And When the fun stops, stop. Oh, we asked you a quick question earlier. Who inflicted Bayern Munich's record defeat? It was... Rafa, do you know this?
2: Schalke 04. Yes. 76-77. Very good. They won in Munich 7-0, James. Wow. Yeah,
0: Legendary Klaus Fischer scoring four times on his way to becoming... Schalke's record goal scorer, which he is to this day.
1: I've got a great story. What's the story? Let me tell you. Well, Yesterday, you know. I'm at Old Trafford, yeah. okay, for French TV. And before the game, we do a live hit in front of the stadium, asking a couple of questions to a, a fan, whatever fan, about Solskjaer, okay? So I'm trying to look who looks a good shot for my fan, okay? Anyway, I, I can see this guy who looks quite cool, but I can only see the back of him, okay? And he's got a, a Beckham shirt, number seven, with his girlfriend. So I said to my cameraman, I, I, I'm gonna go and ask him. So I go, turns around, and he goes, Oh my god, Jules, I was listening to you and Rafa and James and James and Alvaro literally five minutes ago. So I'm a bit I'm a bit taken aback. And he, he kept saying, I cannot believe this, I cannot believe this. Anyway. Turned out that the guy is a big fan of the pods. What was, what was his name? Alvaro, Connor. Hello,
0: Connor, if you're, if you're listening.
1: From Ireland, although he lives with his girlfriend Rachel. And then he gave me two amazing answers live on French television. It was oh, very okay. good. So, Connor, thank you very much. And I, and I told him I would give him a shout on the, on the pod. So, here we go.
0: James Kennedy asks to Tuesday's Euro crew What was the best piece of transfer business in Europe uh, so far this window? Uh, James contributes, in my opinion, slick de Jong is already looking like a bargain. He's like a more agile Javier Alonso.
3: I think that the, the young is that player that Barcelona needed to perpetuate their style. Right? Uh, he's been really good from the very beginning to the point that uh, he he is obsessed about his own playing. In fact, there is a social media picture that was leaked yesterday. Him coming back uh, on the plane uh, with the rest of the Barcelona squad, and he was checking his. Uh, game performance on an iPad because he wanted to improve uh, his own game. So I would say that De Jong is one of the best prospects ahead of La Liga season altogether together with Nabil Fekir, oh, yeah. the player that was signed by Betis coming from uh, Olympique Lyon. Absolutely. All right. What, what do you think the best bit of business has, has been?
0: Joao
1: Felix. I know he was very expensive and he's still the most expensive signing of this summer. Right. And they had to pay the release clause. How much from was he? 126. Right. But, but from the impact we've seen already and Let's wait until the the proper matches, if you want, in the proper Liga games. But he's been incredible so far, and as like Alvaro rightly said, has adapted so much quicker than I think a lot of people were thinking.
2: Right, Rafa, I think delict. I mean, we don't know how much money really changed hands when it comes to commission, etc. But on the face of it, looks like a pretty good deal. I
0: think Lukaku could prove a, a, a good signing. 70 million's not that much for somebody who's. Possibly, you know, going to be one of the top scorers in, in Europe, I think.
3: He has scored over 40 goals in the last two seasons at Manchester United. He's been doing that consistently. So if you are asking for goals, Romelo Lukaku is giving you goals. We've mentioned some of the players who could yet be on the move.
0: And one I we've kind of mentioned tangentially is James Rodriguez, who We're still waiting to see, find a home where he can really put his roots down and and blossom.
3: Yeah, and I think that this uh, has been under our radar for a long time because uh, not only Gareth Bale is that player who is a top player who doesn't play for Real Madrid. Also, James Rodriguez is in a very similar situation. Mm. In fact, uh, he wasn't in the squad against Roma on Sunday. And uh, yeah, uh, there are two teams that uh, have an interest on him, being one of them Napoli in Italy and the other one Atletico de Madrid.
0: Oh, really? Yeah. Wow, that would be quite something. Is that possible?
3: Uh, It is possible, but uh, at the same time, Real Madrid has already sold one player to Atletico this season, Marcos Llorente. Selling a second one, who will be going straight into the lineup is something that Real Madrid is not very happy about. But Zidane doesn't want to have the player in the squad.
0: Right. We heard last week, though, that that Real's uh, massive defeat to Atleti in that game, the International Champions Cup had made it politically very difficult for them to sanction a move like that.
3: Yeah, and uh, obviously, if Atletico had signed James from Real Madrid last week, the timing would have been awful. But, but you think uh, a week, it's all right now? I believe that if Real Madrid starts the season well, and Zinedine uh-huh. doesn't count on James Rodriguez uh, for the next three games, probably they will try to find an exit to the player. OK,
0: and they got it until the 2nd of September. 2nd of
3: September, That's The transfer
0: it. window closes. All right, very good. Well, all sorts of... Europa League and Champions League second legs in the preliminaries happening in the next few days and then the European Super Cup on Wednesday between Chelsea and Liverpool so Lyd's Euro action coming up we'll be back next Tuesday with the word on the opening rounds in uh, a couple more leagues that's great and more from Ligue 1 as well and James Horncastle back so do hope that you'll be joining us for that listener for now it's many many thanks to Alvaro, Julien and Raphael Onigstein, and producer Charlie We'll catch up with you this time next week.
4: You've been listening to the Totally Football Show, a Muddy knees Media production. For sales and advertising, please email sales at muddyneysmedia.com. Keep up to date with everything across our Totally Football network at The Totally Show on Twitter, and make sure you check out our brand new website too, thetotallyfootballshow.com.